the time trial uh, on 3K was uh, shorter by 6%. So the improvement was 6% on the time trial. And then the time to exhaustion at 90% of maximal RX speed was 42% longer. The Triathlon Show 151. Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and on today's episode I interview Dr. Jérôme Corral from the University of Saint-Étienne and uh, he has done a lot of research in a concept called sprint interval training which consists of doing four to seven repetitions of 30 second all-out sprints and uh, in Jérôme's most recent research they did it as running back and forth between cones so not in a straight line necessarily. And uh, yeah, the recovery between sprints will be four minutes and uh, the benefits are really, really good. For example, in the research study that uh, Jérôme's team published in uh, the spring or winter of 2018, they saw an increase or I should say improvement in uh, their 3000 meter time trial of 6% and an increase in time to exhaustion of 40% at 90% of the subject's maximum aerobic speed. So very interesting stuff that we'll dive into. But first, big thanks to our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Precision Hydration that you can find on precisionhydration.com. Some of you may have seen on my social media, uh, my private one, not the scientific triathlon social media, that uh, I did a really good race in uh, Kashkais and uh, I ended up winning my age group in uh, the Ironman 7.3 race that I took part in the other week. And much of that, I think, is because I could stay strong until the end and Part of that is, of course, pacing, good training, but part of it is also nutrition and hydration. And I had a very specific, particular nutrition and hydration plan that I think worked really well. And I used precision hydration to make sure that I got enough electrolytes in my body for the hot temperatures. The temperatures were in the high 20 degrees Celsius, and it all worked really, really well. I could stay on pace all the way until the end even though it was hard, but uh, that's why how I ended up winning the age group. I, I just didn't fade, which uh, everybody else did, because I wasn't in the lead at the start of the run or in the middle of the run either. If you want to find out your individual hydration strategy for your next race, just take Precision Hydration's free online sweat test on precisionhydration.com and get your first box for free when you use the promo code Show, all one word, all caps. And big thanks to our sponsor, Stack, that you can find on stackzero.com. And that's S-T-A-C-Zero.com. Zero is spelled out. Stack has recently launched a big upgrade on their very famous Stack Zero completely silent trainer, which is silent because it uses magnets rather than uh, a resistance flywheel to, to produce resistance for your bike. 
But now with a new upgraded version of the trainer called the Halcyon, you can also get all the smart trainer features that you're used to and use it with all the usual uh, trainer software in the way that you are used to from other trainers. And you get all of the other perks that uh, only Stack provides, like, for example, the complete silence, which is one of the main benefits and uh, one of the reasons that I chose to go with Stack because I live in a flat share and uh, I can't make too much noise when i'm training inside especially not if it's long training so so that silence is worth is worth its weight in gold and stack generously offers all that triathlon show listeners 20 percent off uh, any of their trainers so that uh, goes for the new halcyon or for their old uh, stack zero the base or the power meter version so you can have different price points depending on your budget and depending on your your needs for features of the trainer and whatever it is 20% off with the promo code tts20 when you go and order your trainer on stackzero.com again that's tts20 Finally, a quick piece of news from Stack. They are going to be in Kona. And uh, if you'll be there, make sure to say hi. And also go and attend their Cycling Aerodynamics uh, workshop that they have together with Best Bike Split and Ventum. All great friends of that triathlon show. I wish I could be there. Uh, I won't, sadly. But uh, Andrew has informed me that there will be a Facebook live uh, streaming from that or a, and a Facebook replay after that as well. So I will be watching it in some capacity at least. But if you are uh, in Kona, then definitely go and say hi to Stack and the team and, and say hi from, from me as well. All right, so without any further ado, let's dive into the interview with Dr. Jérôme Corral. Okay, so today's guest on that triathlon show is uh, Jérôme Corral, uh, who is a researcher at uh, the University of uh, Saint-Étienne. Welcome to the show, Jérôme. Thank you. Hello. And uh, your research expertise, and uh, or a lot of what you've been doing research in recently, is sprint interval training. So why don't you start by giving us an overview of what that is and give us an example of a typical protocol. Okay, so <clears throat> sprint interval training, or we can say sit, it's easier, uh, is generally a 30 seconds all-out test in the literature. So it means that it's a real super maximal method. Okay. So the most common protocol to do the sprint interval training is the 30-second uh, Wingate test on a bike normally. And we repeat it uh, four to seven times with four minutes rest between each repetition during the, the sessions. So normally during the first session, the people or subjects start with four sprints. Then the second session, they do five sprints. The third session, uh, six then the fourth six two going up to seven uh, sprints in the fifth session and the last session in the literature that no normally do four sprints again okay that's uh, that's a great explanation and but you say that the most common one is uh, on the bike but uh, this is also applicable in running and uh, potentially other sports as well exactly so the main topic of our article was to bring these lab methods to the field. So we decided to try to validate a method that allows you to do something close to the Wingate test on bike, but running. 
So what have you and others uh, in the previously in the literature found that the the benefits of sit uh, is so from both our work and the other other works uh, we can say that sit is very it's potentially very beneficial to improve uh, VO2 max time trial from 2k to 10k uh, time to exhaustion it's also very efficient to uh, improve the peak power output and the mean power output. And the, all these results are very positive for both trained and untrained people. So it seems to be a very, very interesting method. Okay, that, so more one, generally... One more question about that. Has yeah, uh, it yeah. been uh, studied a lot in endurance athletes or has it been uh, different types of athletes, team sport athletes, or how, how big, uh, how, how many of the studies basically have been done in an, in an endurance athlete population? So when we published our article at the beginning of uh, this year, more or less we could see around 25 uh, articles, studies on the on the sprint interval training. Uh, I would say that more than 80 or 85 percent uh, have been done on untrained people. So you can see the range of improvement is quite uh, high. So we also decided to try this method, but with trained people, not untrained, but trained people, to see if the range of uh, improvement uh, could be the same. But has it been usually um, cyclists, triathletes, runners, or do you also have yes. studies that have been done in footballers or hockey players, that sort of thing? Uh, <clears throat> to our knowledge, uh, the main studies have been done uh, on bike or run. Okay. Or sometimes they are runners, but they are tested on a bike, which is not the best uh, methods to to us. Okay. So, so can you describe your your own research that you did and uh, and the findings that you had? Uh, yes. So, in our research, uh, which was published in the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research. Uh, we decided to try to validate a method that allows you to do the wing gate, but running. So we we use the same protocol as I explained before. So 30 seconds uh, work with four minutes uh, rest. But during the 30 seconds, instead of doing a wing gate, what we're going to do is uh, making trip of 5, 10, 15, 20, even 25 or 30 meters for the best uh, athletes. Uh, so, And during those uh, 30 seconds, you have to travel the greatest distance possible uh, during uh, doing the those trips. So yeah, so so what you mean is that you're running back and forth, back and uh, forth. Exactly. So you're going to five meters, coming back to zero, then going to ten meters, going back to zero, etc. And and you have thirty seconds to try to to travel the the the, the maximal distance. We we did that when I was uh, when I was young and and I was playing football and we called this exercise the idiot. <laughs> yeah, and also a uh, long time ago in basketball they use it uh, called uh, this kind of test uh, the suicide uh, test. <laughs> uh, that's very interesting because uh, maybe fifteen years ago, a committee from France uh, was saying that you shouldn't do this. And I quite agree with him because they called it the suicide uh, test because they were doing this uh, until exhaustion. So the main thing is that we don't do this. Okay, we we use 30 seconds, so you will not 
you're exhausted, but you're not dead. So yeah, that's yeah. that's good. That's better. Yeah, that, that I agree. We we did it until our goalkeeper threw up and vomited yeah. on the side of the pitch. So, that was when so we a, a very important. between each set and this is one of the things that we're going to work on because as I explained before normally uh, in all protocols the ratio is uh, 0.13 so it means that you're working 30 seconds and then rest 4 minutes but nobody tried really to see uh, if you're getting a better result if you're doing 30 seconds with 2 minutes rest or 30 seconds with 6 minutes rest Mm, yeah okay so that that's a very interesting very interesting area for future research so yeah. so what did you find then what were your results with uh, this protocol and and what so uh as i explained before we have basically the same uh, results uh in the literature a little bit lower because we are working with trained people but the results are quite high for trained people if you compare to other methods of uh, training so we both improve uh, anaerobic and aerobic systems or metabolism. So working this, you we can say that we are improving uh, the fitness in general. Do you have your numbers in front of you? Like how many percentage points did uh, things like uh, VO2 max and uh, and peak power output and uh, time trial uh Yes, I can be a little bit more specific. So the the VO2 max was not uh, measured. We measured the maximal rate speed because we did it on the on the field and we didn't have uh, the K4, B2, Cosmed or things like this. So the maximal rate speed in 15 days improved by 2.3%. That's nice. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, The peak power and the mean power increased by 2.4%. So it's more anaerobic, if we can say this. It's not very correct, but we can see it like that. The time trial uh, on 3K was uh, shorter by 6%. So the improvement was 6% on the time trial. That's a very, very good improvement. Yes. And then the time to exhaustion at 90% of maximal aerobic speed was 42% longer. Wow. That's, so, that's, that's very good. Yeah. We can say that, and it's only six sessions. Yeah, yeah, and 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 how many times per week did you do them? Uh, three times a week. Okay. During during two weeks. Okay. Wow. Uh, so um, you mentioned a little bit there already. I want to move into that when you compare this to other types of training methods. So uh, did you do that uh, for? I guess you you did, but do you have? Uh, can you can you expand upon that basically? How does this compare to what results you might see with more traditional types of training, if you want to call it that? I think that if you compare this to traditional uh, methods, the main thing is that you you it's less uh, time consuming, which is the the best point. It means that you maybe do instead of doing only one session a day, you can do two to three sessions a day. You have time to do something else. So you're doing your aerobic job in one point, doing these methods, and then you have time to do strength training, for example, in the same day. It's not as uh, like you go uh, running 20Ks, and when you come back, you don't want to do something else. And the results are very close. And our results, uh, basically, are better 
better than the traditional method. Mm. Well, that said, though, if you compare this to, for example, a workout like, uh, let's say, five times three minutes on, three minutes off, a very traditional VO2 max workout, then that main set would be 30 minutes. And here, if you have uh, uh, four and a half minutes, so 30 seconds on, uh, four minutes off, and you do that, uh, let's say, seven times, then you're already at the, that's, of course, at the end, at the last session but uh, but at that point you have the same duration of main set uh so and also some other types of workouts like let's say you do uh 12 times one minute on one minute off that's a 24 minute main set so so i think that maybe it's not just from my perspective the way i see it perhaps comparing to other types of interval training i wouldn't see the time saving as the big benefit definitely if you compare it to long slow distance base building it's uh, it's a big benefit but compared to other interval methods do you have any uh, any opinion on that yeah i mean when i was thinking about traditional method i was thinking about uh, long slow long slow running not the intermittent uh, training the only the other point or the positive point uh, is for the trainers when they are gonna uh, prepare the the workout i mean that with our methods you don't really have to measure the distance such as uh, 125 meters or something like that you only have to to have uh, like six to seven cones to to and put one at five, one at ten, one at fifteen, and the only uh, thing you have to say to your athlete is go as fast as you can. So you don't have to think about uh, pacing or something like this. You go as fast as you can. You don't care if you're gonna get tired. It's try to get to to travel the maximal distance during thirty seconds. So it's very very easy to to do the workout. I mean to prepare it. And the good thing is also that if you are lucky enough to work with uh, or to do the workout with a friend, then you can compete during the training. So it's very, uh, it's uh, from a motivational point of view, it's very interesting too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree with that. And uh, the fact that you don't need to think too much about pacing, you just go all out. That's because uh, there's some interesting brain research, I think, about how uh, the brain doesn't really regulate as much for efforts that are 30 seconds or shorter. So, uh, which makes this very, very easy, as you say. So, so that's yeah. definitely a, an advantage. And, and moreover, we can say that the, the harder you work with this method, the Easier uh, looks the the look the the others methods after. Yeah, I mean, if you are running at maximal RX speed during these super maximal methods, the session with the maximal RX speed uh, will look easier, even if it's not. But it will look easier. Yeah, yeah. And just for the listeners that are used to my terminology, I usually talk about VVO2 max, which is uh, yes. the same as maximum aerobic speed in in this Ooh. context. M- more, or less, or less, yeah. more or less yeah. uh, so uh, so that's uh, one one more thing about the protocol that I forgot to ask the recovery is that completely passive recovery or is it easy jogging or how do you do that so first you have to think that maybe you when the 30 seconds are coming then you are 25 meters from the zero line so you're coming back walking then they can do whatever they want if they can walk they can jog a little bit but we prefer to do the totally passive uh, uh, recovery. 
when uh, the protocols are done on the bike, the subjects are loaded to to pedal uh, very slowly. And normally, if you're jogging uh, lower than uh, 40 to 50 percent of bo 2 max, in the literature they consider that it's a passive recovery. So we should say passive recovery, but you can let them do whatever they want yeah. if they're not sprinting. Or, but they, they 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 won't they won't want to do it. Okay. So uh, what about the injury risks? Is that something that you know anything about from your own work or from the work of others? <laughs> so from our study, we had no injuries. And I think that if you respect simple rules, such as a progression you know, in your training, you won't get injured. Okay? Uh, to our knowledge, we don't have uh, any, we didn't see uh, any articles uh, speaking about injuries because of these methods, but it's quite new one on the, on the, on the field. And I used it, I used this method with, uh, rugby players, with trail runners, with trail athletes, uh, with football players and nobody ever get injured. Mm. Okay, that's that's very promising, yeah. uh, e- even if it's, of course, an- anecdotal at, at this stage. Uh, and what about some other aspects to take into consideration? I'm thinking about things like uh, central or neuromuscular fatigue. How do you need to account for that? So I was asking to my colleague, uh, Professor Guillaume Millet, I, work, I was working with in Calgary, uh, if he knew something about this, and for the moment, sprint interval training and uh, central or peripheral fatigue has not been uh, studied. Uh, we did something very close uh, in Calgary, doing a two-minute uh, wind gate on the bike. Uh, but the problem is that we are still working on the data, and for the moment, I can't say anything. But f- to our knowledge, uh, there's nothing that clearly speak about uh, the or central or peripheral actually okay I, I just lost you there for a couple of seconds but you did you say anything after you said that there's nothing that speaks for either central or peripheral fatigue after that I couldn't hear you Was yeah there... I, I, I said that we are working on it so okay. for the moment we are on the two minutes uh, Wingate test and on the bike because we have to uh, measure the maximal voluntary uh, force so we can't do it by uh, running yeah. for the moment yeah. so it, okay. it's gonna stay for the moment in the lab and and did then, you have any excuse me but uh, we can also think because of the the toughness of the sessions that we may be, but it's just an hypothesis, uh, that we may be change the thresholds of uh, group three, four, uh, that are our friends, uh, method groups. So maybe that's something. But as I said before, we have to work on data to be sure about that. Mm. Did you have any anecdotal feedback from uh, from the subjects of the studies about how they felt that they recovered between sessions and how they felt in general that how tough the sessions were compared to <laughs> other so, interval training? Uh, normally, so we have the scientific uh, data showing that between session one and session two, you're getting lower. The, I mean that the power and the mean power are getting lower. But on session three, 
then you start to be the same as session one. And then session four, five, and six, then you start to, to improve your power. Uh, from the RPE, at the very beginning, they f all subjects found the, the, the methods very um, difficult. And by the time they start to be more familiarized, and then uh, they even like the, the idea that they know the number of spins they have to do so they can see where they are during the session. But at the, very, at the beginning, and that's why I say that you really have to, to respect the progressions at the beginning. Um, they, if they are not like uh, runners, if they are not used to, it can be something like, uh, from the RPV point of view, uh, very exhausted. Mm. So uh, do you know anything about how common uh, SIT is in uh, the training regimens of endurance athletes? Like if we start about with uh, elite endurance athletes, is this something that is that you know that is being used by some elite endurance athletes in the world right now? Uh, to me, it's very disappointing, but I don't think that a lot of people uh, are using the, this kind of methods. And I think that it's uh, something that is a very cultural reason, a very strong cultural reason. In my opinion, I think that quite all the endurance athletes quantify their training by summing the number of miles or kilometers. Yeah. And they are, they are running each week. They, I think that they only focused on the volume and not so the quantity and not the quality of the training. But I can also understand, and the, the high level is the same. And it's because I think that the coach doesn't want to change the program to try something else, because if it's not working, then the athletes will complain about him. You, you understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, mean, I, I am a coach myself. So. <laughs> yeah, so, so that, that's very strange because uh, we are not the only ones saying that you can improve in very uh, short amount of time your, your fitness level, but on the high level or lower levels, they are, it's something like if they were very frightened by the method or thinking that it's something more magic and maybe it's not true. That maybe we were uh, lucky to f to to find those results, and with them it 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 won't work. Yeah, I, I have been using it uh, on in on the bike for the triathletes that I coach quite a lot in in parts of the season. Like for example, this time of year when athletes have finished their last race, that's when I usually start to include this type of training on the bike. I haven't done it on the run so far, but I'll definitely give it a shot uh, after this conversation and hearing about these results. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, speaking about that, like what part of the season are there specific parts of the season that you think it fits very well in, or is it uh, just yeah? What what do you think about that? Uh, so with uh, without any doubts, I think that you can use it during the tapering session. Uh, the the I mean the during tapering uh, period like 15 days that's exactly what we've done mm -hmm. 15 days you're getting very low with the the quantity and very high so very low with the vo volume and very high with the intensity you you can do it uh, if you do it three times a week so you have one day working with a very high intensity and the day after it's uh, only rest 
So that's very interesting. So you can work something else. You can do a job on the psychological uh, point of view, whatever you want. But I think that it's exactly what, for example, Mujica says about the, the tapering. So you can put it during tapering. But I also think that you can use it all over the the season, but not working the same way we were we did it uh, for the article. In this in this kind of situation, I think that you should use the power output as a way to stop the session. So as I say before, you we are not uh, working like uh, they did it in basket uh, in basketball. Uh, we are not doing the suicide test. We are doing the uh, sprint interval training. So uh, you should take the maximal uh, power output at the very beginning of the session. And you can do as much as, uh, as, much as you want in repetition uh, until uh, you're going lower to 20% or you're losing 20% of your maximal power output. So it means that uh, you can do a 30-second test, then 4 minutes, then 30 seconds, then 4 minutes. And instead of doing a 7, as we did for the, that was the maximal number uh, that we did for the study, uh, I have some cyclists that are doing a 14 to 15 uh, sets. When you see that the, the the maximal power output of the last set is lower by 20% of the the best one during the 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 sessions, then you know that you 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 have to stop the session. Mm -hmm. So you have a feedback on what you're doing. So you're doing only quality, and you can do a little bit of quantity. Yeah, for for these runners that you had in your study, and uh, you mentioned that you mentioned measured power. So, did you have uh, what running power meters did you use? No, so uh, that's that's a little bit tricky in this kind of things that we use the the power. Uh, we don't use the accelerometers or anything because they were not uh, working well when we did it. So we. We in the article we only speak about uh, mean power and peak power and not peak power output because peak power and mean power are measured by the meters you're doing during the the sessions. Okay. 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 But with the bike and with the cyclist, if you want to use this, of course you have to 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 have a, a power meter to define the 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 power you you have during the session. Yep. So uh, I think that's about it. Is there anything else that we should talk about in regards to sprint interval training? Uh, <clears throat> I think that's, I really think that it's maybe the method that will allow uh, the very high level uh, marathon runners to go lower than uh, two hours, in my Ooh. opinion. That's yeah. that's that's a bold statement. I like it. <laughs> I I I. So we are speaking actually with uh, Kenyan runners, but as I told you, the cultural uh, thing is something very strong. I don't know if you get on the social networks the the last month of training of uh, Kipchoge before the the record, the world record. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, w when you see what he's running, 
I really think that if you can integrate the sprint interval training instead of doing uh, four minute, uh, 40 minutes, uh, uh, I mean, 10 Ks in 40 minutes, maybe only once or twice a week doing sprint interval training, I really think that it could go under two hours. Let's hope that he tries. That would be very interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, are you working on any other projects uh, than sprint interval training right now? And uh, if if you are, can you is there something yes. that you briefly can tell us about that? So, for example, when we uh, to be very honest, when we got the results from the uh, didn't know if uh, the results were so good because we improve only on the physiological point of view or also on strength training. I mean, we didn't know if a sprint interval training is more something, uh, is something closer to strength training or closer to uh, traditional methods as intermittent training. So what we've done, and we just finished the study, uh, I mean, last week, we started uh, during the preseason in soccer players. We had 80 players. And we divide them in three groups. One group was only doing a strength training. One group was only doing sprint interval training. And another group, the, we should say the control group, was doing the normal integrative training that they are doing. Like everything is doing, uh, they, they, they always train with the ball. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the primary results show that uh, sprint interval training is better than uh, strength training and, of course, integrative training. That's very interesting. So yeah, that's, that's... that's the, the last one. So as I told you before, there's another study we are trying to, to, to start on the, the time you have to recover between sets and if it's uh, level dependent. I mean, if you are a beginner, Maybe it's better to do 30 seconds with six minutes rest. If you're a good athlete, 30 seconds with four minutes rest. And if you are a high level, maybe it's 30 seconds with only two minutes rest. Mm. So Def- that's definitely, so, so, Jerome, when you have a result, send me an email and uh, we yeah, can of, announce that. Of course. And the last one, which is even more interesting, and it's going on the way uh, I want to, to do the thing, is like give the trainer very cheap. Uh, tools to train we are trying to cross the voluntary hypoventilation with the sprint interval training so we are trying to 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 set up uh, methods with uh, worms who is working on the voluntary uh, hypoventilation uh, trying to mimetize the the sprint interval training in altitude without moving from where you're living interesting that's that's very fascinating so that's the three points on sprint interval training that we are working on perfect yeah yeah as i said let let me know and and uh, we can talk more about it when you when you have new results but uh, for now let's move on to the rapid fire questions and take uh, one sentence uh, or less to to answer these questions starting with what's your favorite book blog or resource related to endurance sports or your field of expertise so only one book would be difficult. So I choose three books. So it would be Keep on Running by Newsham in 1992, Law of Running by Noakes in 2007, and The Marathons by Perone in uh, 1992. Nice. What's a personal habit that's helped you achieve success? 
uh, I think that the personality is that I always try to think different. And who's somebody in endurance sports or your field of expertise that you look up to? <laughs> uh, I choose Dave Scott because Dave of Scott, his yeah. yeah because of his book training uh, triathlon training. Thirty years ago, he knew already things that the high level uh, uh, athletes nowadays don't know. Can you give an example of one of one uh, for, exa- for example, the the lactate, like the threshold lactate. He knew perfectly that lactate was a substrate and not an enemy. Mm. It was a friend and not an enemy. Yeah. And it was 1986. That's why I chose uh, Dave Scott. Yeah. He was a scientist. He yeah. was a very high level athlete and a scientist. Yeah. So you're on the research gate. Uh, listeners can find your your publications there and also on Twitter at uh, Jerome Coral. We'll link that up in the show notes. Is there anything else that you want to mention before we close off this uh, interview? Mm, I don't know what you mean, but now as I told you, I think that really people have to open eyes and try to. I don't ask them to believe. I ask them to to try. Just try the method. Try, try, it. try do, it. Do do a time trial first. Do the protocol and then a time trial after yeah. and see how it yeah. goes. Like in in football, they did a uh, eight hundred meters. Uh, sorry, a uh, four hundred meters. And the results are in, uh, they did only twice a week for three weeks. So it's a little, it's a little uh, change between the, the other article. And in three weeks on 400 meters, they are going uh, like around uh, six to 10 seconds lower. Yeah, and, I'd take that. <laughs> and also for um, um, team sports, with these methods, we also saw with the the soccer players that f- the acceleration from zero to ten meters, which is the the most important part of the team sports, uh, is improving too, mm. and quite quite a lot, okay. like one kilometer per hour. Very good, very interesting. Okay, okay. so thank you, Jerome, uh, uh, and it was a pleasure having you on that triathlon show. So thank you very much. And there you have it. I hope that you found that interview as interesting as I found it. Uh, a couple of main takeaways here is that those benefits, the performance improvements that uh, Dr. Coral was talking about, I'll repeat that here. It was uh, 6% for the uh, performance in a 3,000 meter time trial, 6% improvement after doing uh, those six sessions of sprint interval training. And it was 40% improvement in time to exhaustion at 90% of maximum aerobic speed. Those are really, really good improvements. So this is not a joke. This is something that uh, we should take seriously and definitely try. I am definitely going to try it with the athletes that I coach. As I as we talked about, I do it already in the cycling realm, but I haven't brought it to the running side of things yet. Uh, one of the reasons, I guess, is that I have been a bit concerned about the injury risks. But as we talked about, uh, Dr. Jerome hadn't had any injuries in his study and he wasn't aware of injuries in other studies as well off air after the inchi we talked a little bit more about this and actually one thing that we did talk about was that since he was using trail runners trained trail runners as his research subjects they have a lot of muscular strength because they're used to going uphill downhill change of direction etc 
which makes them perhaps a bit more uh, resilient to this type of training, especially the going back and forth between cones on very short distances compared to running in a straight line. So what Dr. Kural recommended was that uh, if you're not already doing strength training, if you're a normal triathlete or normal marathon runner, like most other listeners here are, and not trail runners, then if you're not doing strength training, do that first for a while to build up a bit of strength and resilience in your muscles to the, uh, the stress that this type of training will cause. But if you are listening to the podcast and you are taking action on the podcast, of course, you are already doing strength training. Uh, Maybe you are already actually using my strength training program. And if you are, then you should have no problems starting to use this type of training. And uh, as I said, definitely something that I will try with my athletes. And uh, if I see great results, of course, I'll provide an update later on on the podcast about it. All right, so that's about it for this episode. Thank you so much for the ratings and reviews that have been coming in. If you are a long-time listener and you haven't yet left a rating and review for the podcast, please, please, please consider doing so. It only takes a minute and it really, really helps me out. And uh, I am so grateful whenever I see a new review coming in. Uh, so you can do that on iTunes or the Apple Podcast or if you listen on Stitcher or other platforms, wherever you can rate and review Everything helps, so please consider doing that. Finally, big thanks to our sponsors that help keep the show going. First, we have Stack that you can find on stackzero.com. Remember that you can get 20% off any of their trainers using the promo code TTS20 when you order yours on stackzero.com. And that's S-T-A-C, zero spelled out, dot com. And it's linked up in the show notes. And a big thanks to Precision Hydration. You can find them on precisionhydration.com and take their free online sweat test to get your your personalized hydration strategy for your next race. And if you haven't tried any Precision Hydration electrolytes yet, be sure to give them a go. Use the promo code Show, all one word, all caps, to get your first box for free. I can't recommend them enough. They are insanely good products. And uh, really, as I said in the intro of this episode... They help me keep going in a long and hot race. So I hope that you give them a try and make that be the case for you as well. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.